What's going on, everybody? On this episode of the Born or Made podcast, I get the chance to sit down with two guys that have inspired me for years. Adam Callen and Alex DiMatteo, founders and co-CEOs of Jane Motorcycles. They make motorcycles, they brew coffee, and they have an incredible clothing line. Check this out. This podcast is brought to you by the one, the only, Athletic Greens. I love Athletic Greens. It is the bomb. Uh, I've been using the stuff for the last three plus years. It is the first thing I put into my body in the morning. It is a green superfood supplement. Athletic Greens is filled with tons of good stuff like 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics. It's a green powder you add to water, uh, shake it up, drink it down, and it is totally delicious and incredibly good for you inside and out. Uh, Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash born. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash born for 20 free travel packs with your first order of Athletic Greens just for you. Thank you very, very much. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Born or Made podcast. Um, I am super fired up today uh, because I've got two guys that uh, inspire me uh, and many others. Um, they're friends. They're entrepreneurs. They've launched a business together. They're killing it. I've watched it from the very, very, very beginning. Um, welcome to my podcast, gents. Alex DiMatteo, Adam Callen um, of Jane Motorcycles. Fellas, welcome. Thanks for having us. (laughs) This is weird. Um, So guys, uh, Born or Made podcast is is something that I started uh, not too long ago. um, And the idea behind the podcast is to get people on the show that um, I am inspired by, uh, that I feel inspire others. And um, the question that I pose, uh, and we don't have to get to the question right now, I tend to like to ask the question at the end, um, is whether or not you guys think that you were born with an innate ability uh, to get to where you're at um, in life, um, or it was something that you had to work towards and it was made over time. Um, you know, I tend to not really voice my opinion there, but I feel like the conversation and the topic is a really interesting topic. You know, I feel like, Pro athletes, most of them were born with a natural talent, and they obviously work towards their talent as they've grown up in life. But I feel similarly to entrepreneurs, you know, there is something that separates entrepreneurs from the rest of the world, um, or everybody would do it, right? Uh, and so it's a nature and nurture question. Um, and the way I like to get to sort of like our potential answer at the end of this podcast is to, to talk to you guys about your story and to just listen to your story and hear your story because I feel like um, really at the end of the day, uh, life is about storytelling. Um, and uh, you know, for thousands of years, humans have loved to listen to stories. Um, and there's only a few people that actually know how to tell a great story, right? Like there's a campfire. Typically there's one or two people around that campfire that are sort of leading the storytelling uh, time. Um, and you guys have a great story, uh, and you tell it well, and um, people like to listen. And I, it's been awesome to just sort of see you guys launch this business and see where it's come. Um, it went from motorcycles and coffee to like a full-blown, awesome, incredible, handmade, like really high-quality clothing brand that I fucking wear constantly. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I'd love to hear your story. Well, first of all, if there was a campfire, Alex would definitely be holding court. Like, he's the storyteller of all storytellers. Um, I mean, I can just kind of kick it off. From as early as you can remember, literally, yeah. let's go back. Um, you know, do you remember Jolly Ranchers? Like, the, the, the long, skinny Jolly Ranchers? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember as a, as from the earliest of, of a kid, like, taking those Jolly Ranchers... And knowing that that was like a hot commodity, you know, and the kids wanted them, and like, and then I discovered this thing. I don't know if you guys remember, but you take a blow pop, and I would somehow heat the Jolly Rancher and wrap it around 
the, the blow pop and I'd bring them on the school bus and I'd fucking sell them <laughs> to kids. And they were, like, they, were, they were like this thing that nobody ever saw before. You would take the Jolly Rancher, you'd melt it and you'd put it on the, on the blow pop. And I would like, sell them, I think, for like 50 cents or a dollar a piece. And that was my hustle at like age six, seven. Um, so I found like that desire to make money and sell and kind of be an entrepreneur early. Um, and that just kind of was a, a, th a thread line throughout my whole life. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles uh, in, a, in a mid, you know, tier, mid, you know, um, middle class family. Um, <clears throat> and I, I had a lot of friends with all the things and, the, you know, a lot of my friends were rich and I wasn't rich, but then my parents got divorced um, when I was about eight years old, and that was like a huge change for me. I uh, went from having all the things to not having anything, and it kind of forced me to get creative, get creative in design and my clothes and not being able to, you know, my, my insecurities fed on that. Like all my friends all had all the things, and I wanted all the things, so I would take an old Izod shirt that I didn't fit me anymore, rip off the, you know, the, the alligator or whatever and sew it on like a, 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 a fake polo and pretend like that was like the, the shirt that everybody wanted to wear. Um, uh, that was me having low self-esteem, you know, not wanting the, the kid, wanting what all the other kids have, but it started uh, kind of a sense of me creating and, and making something out of nothing. And so I would, you know, fast forward to me getting out of law school. I went to law school. I did the whole thing. I was, I, I was a good student, um, but I hated it. It was not for me. Um, it was boring. It didn't have, like, that charismatic, electric um, vibration that I wanted in my life. And so I didn't go down that route, and I would just kind of make my own clothes randomly. I was working in Hollywood and the whole thing, and um, I started getting stopped on the street from people I didn't know with um, asking me what kind of clothes I was wearing. And I'd be like, um, you can't buy it, it's mine. And I just kept hearing that question a lot. And so I started a clothing brand, um, and it was, it was great, it was fun. So I was like in my late 20s, and I started a fun clothing brand, and it was, getting, doing great, and um, uh, I had a lot of success when then I was young and made really poor business decisions, so um, I uh, didn't, I stopped that, and then, you know, we can fast forward to how we got started, but that's a quick overview of my childhood to, like, creativity to entrepreneurship, and I'll get into more. I mean, it sounds, you know, like, and I, and I, I mean, I know a lot about your story, um, I know a lot about both of your stories, and, and I think that's kind of why I have you guys here, because I, I believe that you guys are like tried and true entrepreneurs, but it just sounds to me like, for whatever reason, selling shit was something that you were focused on from as early as you can remember. Yeah, um, but totally. But in the back of my mind, and back, you know, my parents were always you know, telling me to run, go the traditional route of like going, making sure you have a good education, making sure that you go to school and you get a good job. So I kind of was, had this, you know, teeter-totter like idea of should I, should I be an entrepreneur? Should I, should I, you know, be a doctor? Um, and I, I struggled with that for a long time in my life. I think what it was, was when I, we went from living in a comfortable situation to living in kind of a really dangerous neighborhood um, and not having a lot of money was when my true creativity kind of spurred and sparked and really forced me into getting creative and being kind of an entrepreneur. So it was both, you know, I'll answer that question later, but it was both um, innate as well as kind of learned as well from just my, my environment. Alex, what about you, man? It's funny, I, I, I guess after hearing you, if anybody asked me if they should be, be an entrepreneur, if they are, I would ask them if you sold candy on the school bus. I mean, that was, it's weird. The more I think about entrepreneurship, it, for me, it wasn't 
to make a buck. There was no, it was, it sounds bad, but it was like a control thing. I wanted to be the guy that had it. Whatever, and when I was a kid, the it was candy. That was the, what everybody wanted. And then as I got a little older, the it became drugs. And that was what everybody wanted. Um, I, I sold candy and potato chips on the school bus. I didn't make any special glow pops. I wasn't as creative as you, but that was my, that was my first hustle. And throughout, I, I, don't, I just got a different view on what success was in life from the things I was surrounded by. And I grew up in New York, and the jobs that I had as a kid were never for money. They were always because it was a cool bike shop that I wanted to be a part of. So mm -hmm. I went and worked at Emi's Bike Store on 25th Street. It was like the, the cool BMX spot. And I worked at a sneaker store. And both of these people, neither of the people that own these businesses wanted to hire me, but I just hung out there so much that I just forced them to give me <laughs> jobs. And it was, and then the second I got an actual job, like changing tires and things like that wasn't really for me. Um, but I wanted to be a part of the business. I wanted to own something that I loved and be surrounded by people that were into the same thing I loved. I love the culture of business. Mm. Um, I've never been able to, I mean, there was, let me think, I don't think I've ever held a actual job for longer than probably a month ever in my life. <laughs> If it ever in my life. I mean, I had a career in doing illegal things for a very long time, and I was very good at it, but an actual job where I had to show up and work for somebody else, just I couldn't comprehend it. Um, I guess I really have built my life off of having fun. That's what I... To this day, if I was to talk to a kid, I would tell them that you're, you actually can have fun for your entire life. And building something is the fun, you know? Um, so, you know, I had my bouts with drugs and alcohol and they definitely hindered progression in all the other things that I loved. But as a kid, I, I literally did the same things as you, except, I mean, I made clothing. I sold candy on the school bus. Um, my interests were always the arts. Uh, I was creative. And that didn't seem like a life road for me. Um, and as a kid, I didn't, want to, I didn't want anything to do with really being a kid. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted a business. I wanted to own my life. And at that time, selling drugs was the only way you could really become a legit businessman in, at the age of 16 years old. So that was what I did for a long time. Um, it wound up in a decent-sized prison bid. And... Uh, <laughs> So that yeah. was, uh, I got a little early retirement from that one. And when I came out, we, I, uh, when I came out, it dawned on me that I didn't know how to do anything. Wait, but before, before we get, I just, before we step into your story, you know, like I can clearly remember. So I've got identification with both of you guys, definitely with a lot of the things that you've done in your life. You know, I, I've actually never said this in this kind of setting before. But, like, I think I learned the majority of my business tactic techniques and, like, understanding how to conduct in business through selling drugs, for sure. And so, uh, you know, but... I, before that, I distinctly remember when I was a kid, I used to love when Christmas tree selling 
became a thing on, in the city because as soon as as soon as the, as soon as the, the it, you know it was cold like it, right after Halloween or like, I mean excuse me right after Thanksgiving as soon as Thanksgiving hit all the Christmas tree stands came up all of them and in my neighborhood that I grew up in they were like on every other block and uh, and I was like 12 years old and I had a pager. And I would go to all of the people that were running the Christmas tree. I loved it. I would go to all the people that were running the Christmas tree stands, and I'd be like, I'll deliver all the Christmas trees. Just page me. I'll deliver. Like, anybody that buys a Christmas tree that doesn't want to take it, put it on the side, page me. I'll be here on the weekends. I'll be here within a half hour. I made an enormous amount of money. Like, I clearly remember thinking about how I'm going to set up this business model as a kid, like, by myself, and I was like, I'm going to make a fucking killing. I'm how old were you? 12. Yeah. I'm going to make a killing. And so I was making, I, I had a dog walking business, and I was doing this, this, this Christmas tree thing, you know, for over the holidays, and then I developed more businesses over time, but there was something inside of me that I still, I'm, I, I, and this podcast is sort of helping me get to the why I thought this way because I'm talking to more people like you that are sort of like that help me because you guys are the same as me like we're not you know I can guarantee you that 90% of the people that are born and raised in the United States of America are not thinking about selling candy on the school bus it's just that's actually not like people don't necessarily think that way it's not like oh yeah of course but for you, it was like, oh, yeah, of course. For you, it was, oh, yeah, of course. For me, like, there was not a building in my neighborhood that didn't have a flyer with my fucking phone number on it, my parents, my, my home phone number on it, that said, let me walk your dog for fucking $3. Like, every building had it. This shit wasn't normal. So, like, I, I think that there is something definitely that is, that is inside of me that has a drive to create value, right? Yeah. Like, I think it's about creating value, potentially. It's creating value, and it's also this feeling that it's on us. If I, I mean, I've, I've always felt it's not on me to get a job, it's on me to create a job. And... That's, it, that's something that is just the way my brain thinks. It, I know, you know, my girlfriend knows she can go out and get a job. Your wife. My, yeah, my wife now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just she, married. There, just there, married. Just married. People, there, Trust me, that was a mistake. There's people that, if they're broke, their first inclination is to go get a job. If I'm broke, my first inclination is to create a job. Hustle. It's hustle. And it's never, I'm never going to walk into your business and ask you for a job. If I do, it isn't going to work out. But <laughs> anybody, if he walked into your business and asked for <laughs> a job, just say no. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's the way your brain thinks. It's like, I'm going to make this happen. It's also a confidence in yourself that's, when you look back at the things you've done, you're like, what was I fucking thinking? I've got to be out of my mind. You know, like, I'm going to go and hang flyers. And, and when you look back at, like, starting the little business, like, who the hell did you think you were? You know? I, I also think um, it's, we all like to interact with people, too. I, I feel like it's like get, we like to connect with people in a way. And I think doing that and throwing yourself out there and being like an A-type personality is, is a form of connecting with people. And, and just that's, you can't be an entrepreneur if you don't want to like work with people and, you, mm -hmm. and, and, and communicate with people and like have like that interaction. So I feel like for me, it's like a feeling too. It's about like really putting yourself out there and not being sitting in the back seat and watching the world pass you by. It's actually going out there and, and creating something and, 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 and learning from other people and just interacting with people and seeing what's missing in the world as well. Yeah, like I also, you know, for me, a big part of what I do is obviously people, right? Like people, for me, for me, and I've been like really focused on this in my social media these days, like people are everything, period. Like, I don't believe you can be successful long-term if people don't like you. 
if people, if people really don't like you, the legacy that you will leave, you might make a ton of money, but the legacy that you will leave behind is that people don't like you, right? Like a guy like Steve Jobs, right? Like he has a bad stigma. People actually really thought he was a bad person. And quite frankly, he is a genius and he created something insanely unique, but I don't know what's louder, the fact that he's, he was a really, like people did not like him or Apple, right? right? Like for, from what he brought to the, to the table. Well, the value, I mean, in our business, what has been more profitable than anything else has been the friendships and the community that we've built. You know, and that, when we built our business, we put a coffee shop in the front, not because of any, we did not want to own a coffee shop. I mean, we like coffee, you know, we, we like having it, but it wasn't, its primary focus was to give people the ability to hang out without buying anything more than a cup of coffee. It was there purely to create a culture. Tell me about the business. So how, where, did, where did the business start? How did it happen? How did you guys meet? So some, what, uh, I, I got out of prison and I didn't have, I, I literally was grateful to be out of prison and not be on drugs and alcohol and that was really good enough for me and I was also, I came to terms with the fact that I had never learned to do jack shit, so I didn't expect anything from the world. And I was gonna go into construction or you know do whatever. I was gonna put a moving business together, whatever. And one guy asked me if I could do anything, what would I, what would I do? And I didn't have an answer. I was like, the only things that have been healthy-ish in my life and a constant have been clothing and motorcycles. And so he was like, so open up a motorcycle clothing shop. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I, I just said, let me, let me see what that could be. And Adam and I had been friends, and I met Adam a while back, and we didn't, we weren't friends for very long. Not very long. Not at all. No, but the weird thing is, and it is about people, because when I meet people, and I, and I say this to people, it's a, there has to be a profit in every relationship. Now, it, financial is whatever. You know, as, you're an, as an adult, finances is the biggest thing. But there has to be some sort of profit. And, and I keep a lot of friends, and I, cu I cultivate friendships with people that I don't have that much in common with, but I might, they might be great for just that one conversation, that one little thing that I can go to them for. And when I met Adam, I was like, we weren't that similar in many ways, but I was like, there's just something about him. I'm gonna, I don't know what, I'm gonna hold him in the Rolodex. I'm gonna keep him in the Rolodex. So I'd always call you for everything and include you, you know, and all the things. I was like, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm not gonna, but our friendship isn't the like, hang out every day and you know, you know, the bullshit friendship. Our friendship will be something. Um, and so I had the loosest of ideas for this thing and I pitched him and he must have been at a really low point in his life. Extremely low. Because <laughs> my pitch was not anything that would have... He caught me at a really good time. <laughs> I, mean, I caught him on the day of days. Um, and he said yes. Just and, like that? Well, so the story, my story behind this yeah, is let's I was... You know, I, I, I moved to New York to launch this, to help launch this New York office for this company I'd been working for for a long time. It was in the fashion technology world. Um, and I did that, and it was great, and I did that for about a year. Um, and uh, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. Is that when we met for the first time? Probably, yeah. Yeah. And you were still working for that? Yeah. Uh, I was working for, like, this fashion technology e-commerce company. It was a great job. I was making a good living. Um, and, but it just was never, it wasn't like fully fulfilling me. Um, and I took this other job to become this vice president of this other company and that thing did not work out. It was just a, it was just a disaster. And literally I was leaving, um, this company, Alex and I had dinner one night. He did pitch me on this idea and I was like, wow, this is like, this is actually a perfect timing um, 
and I was not a motorcycle guy. I mean, Alex is the motorcycle guy. I love motorcycles. I love the, the look of them, the feel of them, the, you know, the, just the, what it you know, brought out in people. But I didn't identify with motorcycle culture at all. Um, I looked at motorcycle culture. I looked at like, you know, leather chaps and like Hell's Angels and like just people that dress really bad and it can get cheesy really quick. Um, but uh, we both, like I said, we didn't know each other very long, but we kind of, something about us clicked in a way that like we, we both grew up in the same era. I'm from LA, he's from New York, and we just, we had this, it, it's hard to explain because uh, we just kind of grew up on the same things. We grew up in the same culture. Like for me, it was like surf Except stores. You were listening to Tupac, and he was listening to Biggie Smalls. <laughs> yeah, but I was listening to Biggie Smalls, and he was listening yeah. to Tupac. You know, yeah. he Alex loves California surf culture. I love New York kind of you know tougher, darker culture. Um, but uh, we, I actually, he, like he said, I, he caught me on a good time, um, and I said, "Fuck it, let's give it a shot. Let's." Put me on a motorcycle and see if it works. But literally that, like, so, so it was just like that. You pitched him, and then you, like, right then and there, you were like... He pitched me, and I literally, um, I, I slept on me? it. Can you just say your fucking, like, do you remember anything that you said? This is super valuable, by the way. Like, I honestly don't, but... Well, do you remember what I remember, said? I mean, you wanted to work for me. At yeah, one I point. wanted a job wanted, from him. He wanted a job for me, and I told him out. I'm leaving, I'm like... Sorry, bro. Like, there's nothing, you know. And I was like, yo, so you should open up this motorcycle. <laughs> I think that's what it was. He's like, he's like, you know, I don't know how it went down, but I'm like, yeah, that that's not happening anymore. I'm looking for something new. He pitched me on it. I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of crazy. That's kind of cool. Um, let me sleep on it. And literally the next day, I I remember texting him. I'm like, let's 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 meet up again and, and discuss this. Let's let's go over some ideas. Let's throw some stuff against the against the wall. And um, we literally, I was living in Chinatown at the time, and we had really no idea what the business was going to look like. We knew it was going to have motorcycles, we knew it was going to have coffee, we knew it was going to be clothing, but all we really knew was what it wasn't going to be. We, we knew what we didn't want it to be, but we knew that, you know, it was going to be our take on it. So um, we sat in my, in my apartment for how long? How many months? We were also, like, really excited to build it. Like we got we worked on it every single day. And I mean yeah. we <laughs> we we went and got a business. We did we were we had no idea what we were doing. We and we had we had the drive. We knew we had, we had no idea what we, we were had, doing. We, we were, were teachable we also. We were humble enough to know that we had no clue how to open a business um, the properly. But we had drive and we showed up every day and we worked our asses off seven days a week for, we didn't, Alex and I didn't take a day off. I'm sure you can identify with this. We didn't take a day off for three years. Like, uh, not a single day. And, um, but like you were saying, we, had, we went and saw a business counselor, this free business counselor that was provided through New York City. Um, he told us what our idea was <laughs> ridiculous. He's like, I don't what know the anybody that's ever taken the, taken the city up on that. Yeah, we yeah, I've known about we were, those guys forever. And, and yeah. they were like, he's like, yeah, so do this homework and come back in two weeks. We're like, how about two days? Yeah. We'll be back in two yeah, days. Yeah, we're like, could we come back tomorrow? We were so eager. And um, he was like, oh, no. Did they help? They helped. They did help. Yeah. But they were they were very discouraging as well. Like they, they told us our business plan was was not smart. They said pick one thing and stick with it. We said no, we're gonna do motorcycles, clothing, and coffee. The guy's like, no, do not do that. That will fail. Let's pause right there for a second to get a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Ten Thousand. Now, I've tried nearly every workout short there is over the years, and have always been frustrated that it's way too hard to find the perfect pair. That's until I discovered Ten Thousand. 10,000 makes the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts I've worn, period. At the core of 10,000 are three premium training shorts built for all the ways you train. One is built for versatility, one's built for durability, and one is built to be super lightweight and fade away while you train. They've got you covered no matter what you do, whether you're a crossfitter, you do hit, you're a runner, you just lift, weekend hiking, whatever it is, they got you. 
Just pick the short that's best for you and how you train, and then you get the opportunity to personalize it for your individual needs with custom liners and inseam options. My favorite short is definitely the session short. I use a five inch inseam with a built-in liner, and it's become my go-to for pretty much every session I do in the gym or out of the gym. Uh, the session is super lightweight, has an insanely comfortable liner, and includes a permanent anti-odor treatment, which is awesome. Every order gets free shipping, free exchanges, and free returns. Head over to www.10,000.cc. That's 10,000.cc. Use promo code BORN20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. After you put this gear through some workouts, I think you'll agree that these are definitely the best training shorts and the only training shorts you'll ever need. You know, it's so interesting that, that, that you went and you met with this business consultant supplied by the city. Thank you, New York City. That's pretty fucking awesome that they do that, straight up. It was. So anybody that's out there that's looking for it, if you want to get discouraged and then actually prove them wrong, go find these same exact group of New York City small business you know, consultants. But I, I would say, like, you know, when I was 20... Six, no, 25. Uh, I'd been working at the same restaurant for a long time at that point. I'd probably been there four years, four and a half years. And I knew I started to take my life seriously. My boss at the time uh, was living the best life ever. And, um, and I wanted what he had. And I knew I'd been working in restaurants forever. I knew that I wanted to open up a restaurant. And I asked Frank, I said, dude, can I sit down with you and, and have a real hard to heart with you? I sat down with him and I said, dude, I really want to go out there and do my own thing. Like, I want to have my own spot. I want to have my own spot. And he looked at me in, in, as sincere as I've ever seen him, and he said, you're not going to want to hear this. And I was like, what? And he goes, I don't think you have it in you. And I remember it, man. I was sitting. We were in his insane loft on Great Jones and Broadway. I was sitting there. We were sitting. He has this, like, corner banquette. He's got, like, a restaurant in his fucking house. And I remember sitting there in the chair. He was sitting in the banquette. I was sitting on the chair. I looked up at him, and he looked at me, and he goes, I don't think you have it in you. And that moment right there for me was like, I am going to fucking prove this man wrong. There was, like, immediately, like, that was the first, that was, like, the feeling that I had. And so, potentially, that guy that you sat down with, whether they were able to provide value or not, like, that probably put some fire under your ass. Well, you also, as an entrepreneur, look, nothing is going to look like a good idea. If it looks like a good idea, 10 other people did it already. It's true. You know, so you're never going to come with the, like, the, you're not bringing Apple to the table, you know? And Apple was a bad idea until it wasn't, you know? So all of, you have to have that blind, just, not on, you got to have, I don't know, ego, and you have to have confidence. I, I have confidence, but I do to, agree with you that, like, that chip on your shoulder that Frank, Frank. gave you, and this guy kind of was like, well, we're going to prove him wrong. And For we sure. still, we still want to run into this guy. Like, when right? you say that, like, I, I would love to see this guy in the street. Yeah. Like, that makes me feel like, you know, because ultimately, at the end of the day, I think you're right. You know what I'm saying? Like, most business propositions, specifically if it's something that is unique, which is what you're looking to do, right? Like, you don't want to come to the table with 19,000 other people. Um, you know, when I said I was going to open up a meatball and ice cream restaurant, people were like, are you, are you fucking, have you lost it? And I was like, no, people love meatballs and they love ice cream. I'm going to serve them in a restaurant together. And like, like nine out of ten people were like, good luck, kid. And then the one out of ten people that wrote a check, like actually all fucking laughed all the way to the bank. But like... That that kind of that those those stories those things are like priceless. They're they're invaluable. You never know where you're gonna get that like fire. That it just it just takes that little fucking extra flame to 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 go and just push you over the edge to do the next to do something that's fucking insane. Like what you guys have done, like watching the progression and the patience that you guys have had. 
to be able to create the, the, the stuff that you do now, like people ask me what I like to wear. The first thing that comes to my mind is Jane Motorcycles. Like that is the truth. I wear your clothes constantly. Um, and it's just because it's well, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing, we're wearing, you know, like it's the same pants. It's like what you guys do, it's actually clothes that, that, is, that are designed by two guys that actually wear them constantly. That, that there, there, there is sort of uh, functionality, not only for fashion and for feeling, but for like, if you ride motorcycles, which I do, like the beauty of being able to wear something that looks really cool, is made really well, and actually I can slip like my motorcycle gear into. Anyway, all right, so keep going. So let's see, we, so you, so we you wrote work. the business plan, he shit on our business plan. We scratched a business plan. I don't, business plans are the biggest crock of shit on We had no planet. idea to write a business plan. We literally Googled business plan and we got this template and it was helpful. It taught us a lot about, you know, open to buy and like, you know, budgeting and forecasting and we were completely off with our which numbers. Five which five years was fine. later, um, we're finally, we're finally getting going it. Going to like, oh wow, we got to go back and revisit that open to buy thing now because we're broke and we <laughs> spent the open to buy. But, you know, like I said, we just, we, did, we weren't taking no for an answer. So um, the next thing was, like, we started an Instagram account. We were just, I literally spent two hours a day on Instagram, like, following other people, unfollowing people, like, liking their photos and putting, and barring other people's photos and making, like, telling a story about New York City and motorcycles and coffee and creating this brand before the brand was even really there. Alex was in the garage building this motorcycle, the, like the, the first motorcycle we ever built, following the story of the build and just somehow people connected with it. We reached, a, strangely, and it's weird enough to say, like an international kind of following. People from all over the world were like, somehow found Jane Motorcycles through Instagram, through hashtags, through, I don't know, through people forwarding it. Um, and we had like an underground following before we even started, which was pretty cool. And then we had to look for a store um, because before we were going to be a clothing brand, we were going to be a retail store. And we had, I mean, look, our story is one that should give anybody that's trying to do something inspiration because we knew jack shit and we didn't know one person <laughs> to ask anything of. Like, we literally, you know, at this point, if I had to open another business, I got a Rolodex, I got a name, people, I can call people, I can say I did this, I'm this guy, blah, blah, blah. We had nothing. <laughs> Not a nothing. thing. We had a couple bucks and a dollar and a dream. And, uh, and, we, and we did it in New York City. So I don't want to hear it. It can be done. You can create it. It takes work. We've literally, I don't think, gone to sleep really angry at each other for one day ever. I mean, you know, it's... I mean, I, and I, I got I to bring that up because that's such a thing, right, in business today and in general, I think, in business and just relationships. You know, when you're working with somebody... You know, would you say that you guys, how would you describe your partnership? Because that's a big, that, that there's a lot of, lot of, you know, turbulence well, in partnerships. I've experienced Yeah, well. I mean, like I said, we didn't, when we decided to open up a business together, we literally probably had met each other two months ago, two months prior. Um, and by the grace of God, like we have the same sensibilities, same, like, we draw inspiration from the same stuff, like, we'll still be like, whoa, like, how did, do you remember, like, in junior high when we were, like, you know, looking at that colorway and that color pattern, and it's just, we, were, we got really lucky that way, but what really works for us is we're both sober, we both um, keep our side of the street clean, we both are accountable, we both take our egos out of it, um, and we literally, like Alex said, we don't hold a grudge, there's plenty of times I'm sure Alex wants to fucking wring my neck, and there's tons of times I want to wring his neck, but we talk it through, we, we get to the heart of it, 
and we're, we're both. And you hug each other at the end. Yeah. And we the hug most it out. important thing is our, we want to be happy. We want to, and we take, I mean, we've gotten past the initial growing pains of like, hey, I want to be in front of the camera or that I did that or you did that or, you know, and now it's like, it's we did that and we're, we're raising this kid together and we, look, having a business partner is one, it can be terrible or it can be the greatest thing because I can't share the success that we have. Nobody wants to hear this shit, you know? Look what we made, look what we did. The only person I can share it with that really gets the same feeling as me is my business partner. So when we make something or we make money, we make it together. And we get to look at each other and fucking be like, you know, we did good this week, <laughs> you know? And, and that's priceless, you know, to be, able to, to be able to take the bumps and the bruises, but all the, also the successes, and have somebody that you can share that with where it's not an ego thing. It's something you did together, you know? It's like, I'm not... You know, I can come home and talk to my wife or talk to my sister or talk to anybody and I and I hear the words come out of my mouth and they sound like I'm bragging or they, you know, I'm like kind of like taking over the conversation. But when I can do it with you, it's like, yo, we did this together. I'm not bragging. It's yours 50-50. Like, this is doing okay. Or, you know, we made a pair of jeans. We never, who the fuck ever thought we could make jeans? You know, so to be able to share those successes with somebody is is dope. And we, we did come into our own if, when we first started, we were both, didn't know what roles the other person had or who should do what. So we both were like, we're gonna design this. I'm gonna be on Photoshop. He's gonna be an illustrator and we're gonna try to figure it out. And through the years, you know, we realized, you know, where our strengths lie and where our, our weaknesses are. And, you know, it's kind of evolved into, you know, I handle a lot more of the operations um, Alex is a lot more of the creative, and um, I'm okay with that. Like, at first, I'm like, I want to do all the creative, but, but, like, I know that Alex is more creative than me. I know that he's better at that world than I am, so I, I, I welcome it, and uh, I take my ego out of it. And, uh, you know, he's not great with email. You know, he's gotten a lot better, and he's finally learned how to reply all. <laughs> I, told um, <laughs> I, I told you I wasn't qualified for much. <laughs> he was in prison for the whole launch of email. <laughs> they don't really get to reply all in prison. But um, so we've developed a, a, a dance that's really worked and, you know, a partnership that's, that's flourished. And it's, at the end of the day, the end goal is the success of the company that we built. So you it's know, like, it's like, you know, I just, you know, for me, it's like, it's so beautiful to hear you guys talk about it, man. I, like, really, it, it, I, I am, I, I, I listen to, I see, I, I mean, we're friends, so, and we hang out and, and, and uh, you know, I, I, like, there is, you know, there is an opportunity for business partnerships to be awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like, ego is 100% the problem uh, in most scenarios in life. Like, I understand that, like, there are times in, in life where our ego is super valuable and, and allows us, gives us the potential confidence to go out and do something to step in and ask that question, to, to, to speak up when, you, when you're potentially not, uh, you know, comfortable speaking up uh, in, in this specific setting. But, like, I think ego, ego tends to get business partnerships in lots of trouble. And the fact that you guys have been able to sort of, like, understand each other, appreciate each other, because really, at the end of it all, like, your business is not going to be at your funeral. You're, you're not going to go to the grave with your fucking bank account. Like, happiness in life is, in my opinion, the most important piece of the puzzle. And, you know, quite frankly, it's been studied that the one thing that, that is consistently common in people after a certain age that are happy yes, is relationships. Absolutely. 
and that's the tr and that's it. And so, like, you know, we're in a time right now where it's like obviously it's one of the best times to be an entrepreneur, right? Like, entrepreneurialism is a cool thing. Being a businessman, like owning your own small business, is a cool thing. Like, 50 years ago, owning the fucking shoe store wasn't that cool. You know no. what I'm saying? Like, people were looking at Wall Street and being like, those guys, the Wolf of Wall Street, that's what I want to be. Today, like, you open up the cool sneaker shop on the corner, like, people are like, oh shit, that guy's. He must be rich, you know what I mean? Like, and 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 like, it's cool to be a business owner and an entrepreneur today. Whether you're doing sneakers or you're doing burgers or you're doing, you know, motorcycles or selling coffee or whatever, making you know T-shirts. Like, it's just the time, and and it's precious. But with that, it requires a lot of work to be a business person because to be a business owner because when you're a business owner, you don't ever close the door and go home. Like, it's never like, oh yeah, I'm done for the day. It just doesn't exist. Because no matter what, I mean, successful business owners always are accountable. No, they are always held responsible, you know? And one thing that I think is really important to say out loud is that like, if you are a business owner and you blame anybody for any mistake in your business, you are going to fail, period. You uh, must be responsible. It doesn't matter who, who made the mistake. And the, I think the buck that- stops, The buck stops with you. The buck stops with you. And, I, and, and I've watched this. I've watched people um, literally in the, in the top position of a company, owner, boss, like sit at a table and like, Blame people for why things aren't working out the way they should be working out or the way they're, they're supposed to work out or the way that we've envisioned or projected them to work out. Instead of just being like, I am responsible for this. I take full accountability for this. Let's figure out a way as a team. This is like what great leadership is as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. I was just going to say, it's I all leadership. am responsible for all this shit. The mistakes that we've made, I take full responsibility. Let's work together as a team to figure out how to make this company better. I mean, in reality, every, so there's, there was a lot of little things like throughout, we, so we had the coffee shop and we wanted it to do a certain thing. And we also had a motorcycle shop and the two of them, you know, coffee shop, most people want to come in, sit in the computer and you know, not hear motorcycles pulling up all the time. So we're like, you know, how is it that that place is so successful and, you know, that. And so you want to put blame on something other than yourself. Oh, we're on the wrong block. Or, you know, they, it's, it's all, you know, they, you can always look at somebody else's business and think that they've got it better than you. Compare and despair. And compare and despair. And then I can also show you a million other businesses that were in a worse neighborhood had less money, had way less than you had, and managed to figure it out. And if you come at it with that attitude, you'll fix it. But if you come at it where you feel like a victim, you, you're just trapped. I'll, I'm going to cut in. I'll, I'm going to give you some credit here. Alex is really good at, um, he's very um, solution-orientated. When, when, when we, we get problems thrown our way, which everybody gets problems thrown their way. Um, my initial tendency is to be like, fuck, you know, what are we going to do? You know, and, and Alex is really good at, um, all right, how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do to fix this? Um, and that's a great sign of leadership. And um, uh, there's, there's always an excuse for why things can't work, but we are, we're always looking for the reasons why it can work. And um, you were talking about, um, you know, blaming people. And Alex and I, maybe this is not healthy, but, uh, and I've really kind of, my fiance is kind of on me to not do this so much. But, like, if, if there's an email that has to be answered at 12 a.m., like, I'm answering that email at 12 a.m. Like, I'm up. Um, and we used to, we've done some collab stuff with other people and we, we were building this jacket with another brand. And we, we wouldn't get a, a, a response for like 24 hours. And we're like, well, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with these people? And Alex, 
Well, like, that's why these people aren't going to be successful. And I don't know if that's good or that's bad, but we just, we, we, were, we had our phones by us at all times. Like, we just lived, ate, and breathed our business and took responsibility for it. Didn't blame anybody else for it, like you said. And we're just trying to be, like, as, as good of leaders as we can. Like, we have about 10 employees. We're a small business. But we try to lead them. We try to have fun with them. We can do better at it, but like our thing is to really not blame anybody for anything and just take responsibility for everything. Talk to me about the name. Where did Jane come from? So we, we came at it as, you know, being part of the motorcycle community, but we weren't, we, we my feeling, I, I grew up around motorcycles in every aspect. I grew up on dirt bikes, street bikes. I mean, I wasn't really a Harley guy, but I, I grew up around them. Um, but as a overall culture, I never really bought into any aspect of it. I don't know. And even just growing up in New York in general, you're kind of like a chameleon. You dip your toe into all little things. By the way, motorcycle culture is not real. Unless you're like a hell's angel, it's not like a New York thing. Unless you live no, in the Bronx. Yeah. Well... I, I did. I rode with the Wheelie Boys for a while. You know, and I, I dipped my toe in little aspects of it. But when I came to him, it was like, I want to open this clothing company, but it's not what you think. You know, and then we... And, it, and then we went to a party <laughs> in Williamsburg for like a, a, magazine, a motorcycle magazine launch party. And it was everything. It was my worst nightmare. It was literally my worst nightmare. Just... Just the stereotypical, what you would think. Fucking like, ranchers. And yeah, and just like not, sorry if you're watching this and like you were at that party, but not cool and not like, not inspiring and not like high vibration and elevated at all. And so I was like, that's, that's what I think of when I think of motorcycles, you know? Um, and I saw something else, you know, and, and everybody has seen it. There's a cool aspect to motorcycles when you get into like the culture of any specific end of it, yeah, it gets really cheesy. So when we did this, we wanted, we didn't want anything having to do with the tough guy thing. We didn't want anything to do with... The beard and the... Yeah, any, really anything that's just motorcycle stigma. And to this day, we battle with that. The second you mention motorcycles to people, it's like, okay, well, you have to be this. And we're like, no, we don't want to be that. We want little bit of this and a little bit of that and you know if we want to make pink Hawaiian shirts we're going to make pink Hawaiian shirts and that's just because what we feel you guys have a great fucking Hawaiian shirt you know so I mean and that's that's kind of the way I've looked at everything there's no rules why is there rules you know it's it's whatever do whatever the fuck you want so um we got together and we started to look for names and um our business counselor, you know, pick a name with a hard consonant, four-letter word, and we wanted something that also, we weren't totally sold on the motorcycle thing. Maybe one day we don't want to do motorcycles. Maybe, you know, maybe we want to stay a little nimble with the name so that if it goes to the left or the right, we're not called Fast Eddie's, you know, and then we're just <laughs> stuck with Fast Eddie's Coffee Shop. Um, so we... Plus, we also, us. like, we, we say this, we... we wanted to create a sense of confusion, a sense of, you know, what, what is this place? When you walk in, we were like, what, yeah. what, is, what is Jane? So it was the exact opposite of what you would think a motorcycle brand would be called. Um, it's kind of perfect, which is strange, yeah. right? Like, I've never questioned the name. Well, Actually, I've also, and here's my, my what, the one thing I will take away from naming a company, um, on, at least on our side, it's... The business will, we took a girl's name, and over time, the business will define that name. As long as you don't call it Fast Eddie's Speed Shop or something like that, where you're kind of stuck with exactly what you got. Like the meatball shop? But, if, but the meatball shop was perfect for the meatball shop, you know? But if you're going, like, for, you take a four-letter word, doesn't mean anything, you stay in business for 10 years, your business will now own that meaning, you know? And it's cool. So that's the thing. It's like when people sit there and they, look, names don't sound perfect. Meatball Shop probably sounded perfect. But a lot of names don't sound perfect. And when you're naming a business, it's like naming a kid. You just got to pick one. And, you know. 
Who said Jane? I think you did, yeah. It was actually, I remember, uh, it was, we were walking down Center Street or Lafayette down to Tribeca or down to Lower Manhattan to go meet with our business counsel, counselor. And uh, yeah, we were just throwing names out and I said it and it, we both looked, gave each other that look. I'm like, oh, let's, let's, let's hold on to that for a second. So yeah. And we, we loosely... And it was like, there was like Jane we, Street, New York. We there was, loosely just, created, just in case so somebody doesn't say, well, you told me it was, well, we loosely based it on a girl that I used to ride dirt bikes with. Um, I really, we have no idea what her name was, but that was what the story was. She's like a muse. Yeah, yeah, she was a muse. Yeah. And, um, and it, it worked. And, and, and I've gone through my days where I'm trying to design stuff around it. I'm like, I hate this fucking name. And then some days I'm like, I wish we had a tougher name. And then one day, but it is, it is served really? us well. Yeah, you know, it's hard. It's, the J is hard. The J is hard. Sometimes it leaves, it's around. got no emptiness. It's a pain in the ass. And then, you know, you haven't figured out one good script, J. There's not one, you know. And it's, <laughs> We've got around. Designing the logo was another thing that was, was a trick. Yeah. We, Alex's sister is a, is a very successful and talented artist, and she was helping us come up with an idea of how to design a logo. Because, you know, when you design, when you draw, or when you paint, all you're doing is doing what you think your, your arm should do. So you're, you're drawing a J, you think your arm should just draw a J like it's drawn a J for your whole life. So you're not gonna come up with anything creative because that's all you're ever gonna do. So mm -hmm. what she, her idea was, we got a bunch of craft paper, we laid it out in her uh, you know, apartment in Chelsea, and we took paint and we just started like splattering it and like drawing crazy letters and then taking tape, uh, duct tape, and making letters out of duct tape, and just stuff started forming that way and it just became this, this cool way that I don't think either of us would have created had we not done that. Um, and we have a, an amazing photo of all of the like original first concept designs. That's so cool. Designs. It's, um, it's cool. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we always just try to think outside the box to kind of get. But that, that falls back on, I, I mean, honestly, the amount, this business was not created by the two of us. This business was created by every single person that's helped us along the way. Totally. And if you don't ask for help, if you don't have the humility, you better have a really deep pocket and a really thick Rolodex. Because, I mean, we, well, we, we knew nothing. And I mean, people, we walk in the store and I'm like, where'd you get that? How'd you get that? Who made that? You, who do you know? What do you do? And like, literally, that's what the coffee shop was, was literally us making coffee and grilling every customer that came in on like, what do you got for us? You got anything? Who, if what can them. you help us with? If Where'd you get those shoes? Cool. Who makes the shoelaces? Like literally, and we built this business off of connections that walked into our store. If you think of it, like we literally, we started with like, we just asked everybody everything. We didn't know anything. Um, and I mean, we met we met Stefano at that that motorcycle show. We met Stefano, who was like an amazing uh, interior designer who helped us build our first bar, and it just snowballed into this thing where people they liked what we were doing, but they thought we were onto something, and we were open to receiving that information. So you guys, so all right, so what are you? You're seven, six years in, seven years in, six plus, six, six, plus. six seven years in. Um, you're launching a bunch of new stuff for the fall winter. I can't wait to uh, get my hands on. Um, you guys might actually be the first person to, to, that has given me the confidence to buy a one fucking piece jumpsuit. Because I tried <laughs> it on and it's actually off the chart awesome. It's pretty awesome. Um, what, uh, we'll wrap this thing up, but what, what's, what's the future look like? Do you guys have any, I mean, what, what, what do you think? Anything that you want to talk about in specifically, or do you guys are just like, we're keeping our head down, we're creating great shit, and we want people to come and check it out? I mean, the big goal is to open, you know, more shops, to open up, you know. Well, let's be honest. The, the, the big goal is to have a store in each of the cities we, we grew up in. That's, that's the, that's the, yeah. that's the next, the, this last year was figuring out the line and figuring out our voice and getting stuff on the shelves and we did it and I can't believe it because we said we were going to do it and it's not an easy thing but 
the store is actually going to be like the legitimately filled with our own stuff. I mean, let's. I want to just make it clear. Like we we've been we've had clothes on the store for a long time, our own our own brand. But this year, it's sometimes I and this Alex year, walk into the store and like, how did you that guys make a significant boots, shift? Got, geez, I think in the I, last in the last eighteen months. You guys have made, so you guys, I think the first thing that you did that was really significant was the Ludlow jacket, right? Yeah, the, the Driggs. The, the Driggs, Driggs. Yeah. The Driggs jacket, right? Yeah. The Driggs jacket, and then from, I felt like from that moment on, you guys were just sort of like full speed ahead making really great shit. That was not like a t-shirt and a pair of pants, was like awesome quality crew neck sweatshirts, awesome quality hoodies, awesome pants, every jacket you made was like thoroughly thought through in, a, in three, four different colors, like wax cotton, wax canvas, like just fucking prime time, amazing, beautiful stuff. I'll tell you, over the last, from probably the last six to eight months, We've really figured out. We got we got lucky and got connected with some really good mills in Japan, and you know, figuring out what really good quality fabric is and the differences in the. I mean, for for me, it's it's. I want to compete at the top level of quality menswear. I, I mean, I'm not, it's not about printing t-shirts and making a buck. It's about making a heritage line that lasts forever. You know, it's about the stuff that you buy from us having a meaning to you, you know? And it's, we produce everything in New York and right around in, in this country and some things in Japan, and it's not cheap. But I promise you, there's a value in it. I gotta say, one of my favorite piece, my one of my favorite pieces of all time, is your motorcycle gloves, which are made by a guy in Japan. That's all he does. They're That's insane. all he could care about doing. They're insane, and also the Driggs jacket, which I've had for three years almost, and it's still not broken in. But <laughs> well, I'll get there. I'm sure this year I'm gonna try to put some fucking wear and tear in that thing. Those motors, I mean. Yeah, whatever you guys, I, I I'm inspired by you guys all the time. Every time I walk into the store, I feel like a kid in the candy shop, um, and I think that that's the story that you guys tell. You, people walk into your store, and specifically people that really care about quality, and they walk in and they're just like, you see, I watch people that walk in for the first time, and they're just like, well, it's 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 that feeling you get when you walk into a store, and it goes back to our childhood, and it goes back to I'm sure your childhood too that. I specifically remember walking into stores and knowing, remembering the music that was on and remembering like the people and like getting like a, like a high five from somebody that worked there. And, like I fantasized and dreamed of doing that for myself one day. And like just, I knew what kind of music was gonna be playing. I knew what the vibe was gonna be like. I knew the feeling that you experienced when you walked into a store that you were home, you know? And it was like your home away from home. and. That's what we want to do for the future as well. Like open more stores, develop the brand, keep growing. Um, and you also happen to build insane motorcycles. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> the motorcycles that you guys have done are, you know, you guys have built a motorcycle for me, not from scratch. We're going to do another one this winter. I'm going to take that Hyper Motard and, you know, spend some time with Alex on fucking Photoshop and figure it out. But you guys have built some insanely beautiful motorcycles. I know that that's not your that's a very small component of your business, but um, I mean it's it's in our name, so it has to be part. Yeah. Of it. So anybody that that wants to just look at really dope motorcycles, and with every purchase of a motorcycle, you do get a free espresso. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, boys, I'm going to ask the question. So based on this conversation and just sort of like where you guys are, what your thoughts are. Born or made? Definitely born. I think there's a little made in there based off of some of my early childhood circumstances, but if you put a gun to my head, born for sure. I, I mean, just to, for two, my two cents on it, 
Born, not sure, but definitely the things I saw as a very, very young child cultivated that side of my brain, and there, there was definitely no other direction to go. So I don't know if I was spit out the womb, you know, selling blow pops on the bus, but what I took in from the world around me that all pointed to. Like, were you in competition with anybody else selling blow pops on the bus? No. Nobody else wanted to do that stuff, which blew my mind. I mean, they're really... You never got busted for selling blow pops on the bus? No, I paid off the bus driver. I gave him a bag of chips. I got busted. <laughs> Guys, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for being on. It was fun. Yeah, man, it was awesome. It was dope. It was thank you for having us. Of course. Uh, until next time, y'all. These guys are borners. I figured they were borners. I, almost, I'm, I was almost 100% positive. But just so you guys know, it's been 50-50. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what, what's the 50-50. Really? For sure. I, I think we've shot, you know, we've shot probably a dozen shows, a dozen podcasts, and I would say 50-50 across the board. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you. Peace.